You know what's weird in life? Being passionate. That's weird. Being passionate is so weird, sir. Um, and that's actually what I uh, kind of wanted to focus on and bring you on and kind of talk about today is just how passion can help assist with the work that that oftentimes, you know, people will will look at work as an additional thing or that it's draining or that it's something that we have to do, where mm-hmm. I think both you and I are in very unique situations where we built careers based on passion that have helped fueled not only getting into the industry um, and being able to operate there but continue to grow continue to expand and look at like how we're able to pivot and um, use that passion not only for a work premise but also with the mindset of like being able to give back because it's not an additional load or it's not an additional um, work. It's just, it's that passion that really drives the engine. Absolutely. And it's, it's important to distinguish that, like, like you said, it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna feel like work. It's not gonna, I think in the work, I think could be synonymous with obligation. It's not an obligation. It's just what you want to do right? Like that's just where you kind of come from um, with it within your scope. And because there's a passion, there's this never ending desire to maintain a state of hunger. Like a lot of people are on a journey. I think they're like, once I get there, then I'll be successful. But I think passion stops you from ever thinking you're going to be successful and you just participate in success. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, we were talking about it a little bit before that both of us have kind of been on this quote unquote like journey lately of trying to explore and trying to expand and like just understand the spaces that we've operated in because I think we have both experienced a very abrupt boom and just like a rocket ship taken on. So I know um, we talked a little bit before about how at least I've at times felt like I've really just grabbed onto the reins and just try to hold on and see where it takes me. No, no true destination, kind of a vision of Mm. what I would like to lead to or the point that I think it could bring me to and then reevaluate to continue to expand and grow. But, um, but yeah, no, we both had mentioned that we kind of felt like that a little bit of this big explosion and just like, things taking off so quickly but I think part of that is both you and I put a lot on our plates Mm -hmm. because it like you mentioned before it doesn't feel like an obligation or a burden it it's Mm -hmm. a passion that drives that and you're like yeah I'll take this on yeah I'll add this to it and And that's it exactly yeah and just in a way like that mental process of continuing to add and try to grow things that both of us have hit a point where those things are starting to uh, flourish at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. And like watching, watching you go through it and just like build those connections and, and just seeing what you're putting out. um, It it is a driver. And I think that's another thing is having these types of conversations, having like-minded people that you can kind of derive uh, a little bit of inspiration towards the passion because it's not common, right? It's not common. I think, you know, when we try to find people with passion, um, they're trying to build it. But I think the most important thing behind passion for myself anyways, that, that has had a kind of that, that catalyst to that boom or whatever it is, is self-trust, right? Like a reliance in the capacity that you can grow, not that you're going to be great, 
but that you're going to put in great effort right towards whatever it is and that you're going to, you know, if you fumble, you just pick it up and keep going. Like that's that, I think that's a big learning curve for a lot of people because success isn't in, you know, the, the things that you, you know, accomplish through the kind of in the ways that you accomplish it. Um, and sometimes that means you actually shit the bed quite often, but you kind of come back refreshed and be revitalized and recharge your energy. And that's what passion is, right? Like it's, it's not letting something tear you down um, in your process of building you up. It's just a learning experience. Um, is that somewhat, do you, do you have share any of those? 1000%, um, you know, through, through some of the different companies I work with, uh, Prescripts, one of them specifically that you'll probably hear this term quite often, but, um, like burn boats or burn the ships. That is, um, a mentality that I've been taking on quite a bit. And, really, you know, the message behind it is, or with where it comes from with Cortez of setting his own ships ablaze. So his soldiers had to figure it out. It was like, we don't, going back is not an option anymore. A we retreat. Are here. And so, you know, having that mentality of like, let's figure it out. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've been growing more and more familiar and accustomed with that. And I think part of like part of having that mentality goes right into what you were saying is it's effort based because that's mm-hmm. what drives it is the effort to figure it out. But also with that knowing, hey, if I shit the bed, it's like it is in some processes that I didn't quite prepare for or mm-hmm. I didn't plan around. Um, but it's not that I didn't try. And I think that is a huge difference of just trying to phone it in and just trying to make something because you feel like it's an obligation or because you have to, whereas that figure it out mentality, there's a secondary to that of, okay, this is like, this is just my starting point. How do I improve from here? And each time it's based on that improvement. So to a certain extent, like, I think with that mentality, it's also that it's never going to be quite be good enough or quite be perfect because you're always yeah. looking at ways to how to improve it because because that passion is a driving factor that you want to make it the best you it can be and the best you can be. And through that time from, you know, whatever it is, if it's, if it's an event you're putting on, if it's a program, if it's a course, whatever, that each time you you were looking deeper, deep, deeper and deeper into it on how to improve and where something wasn't as polished as you wanted it to be and where you yeah. can continue to grow and expand because that's the other thing is in between the time that you're delivering it to the next time, there's probably been growth, there's probably been education and you're like, I learned this, I want to incorporate this now because other people need to learn it. Clearly, if, if I don't know it or... Now I understand it to a um, greater degree or further depth. I want to make sure that everyone else is. So here adds another hour to to whatever the presentation is. And like yeah. on the backside here adds another four to five hours for me trying to figure out how to fit this in and how to contextualize it so people can understand it. It's And it's so challenging too, because that's exactly it for people to understand it. So I have a few points I want to touch on, and then I want to come back around to like understanding something, especially giving like a talk or anything like that. Because conversely, like we're, we're, we're more obviously not to say knowledgeable, but we're more well-versed in it. And sometimes we can 
we're, we're wading in shallow waters trying to get people to dive in head first. And that's a very dangerous territory for people, especially like I'm working with kids right now. And it's like, I really need to take a step back and understand that I need to teach what needs to be taught, not what I think they need to know, right? They, they need to know what they need to know. But in order to get to a place that I feel they're, they're ready to embrace that, they kind of need that, those foundational skills that come from those shallow waters where we derive safety um, and, and then be able to put your head underwater a little bit more. Um, but to go back to the idea of like even shit in the bed, my favorite saying that my grandpa used to say is like, hey, if you shit the bed, you just got an early start to the morning, right? You got more time to figure out the problem. Change the sheets, but don't go back to bed. Like, just keep moving like forward. Stay there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? But a lot of people do. And I think that's the other thing is, uh, you know, when we think about teaching something, we always come from a place of like perfection. Like these people have to learn. Like it's our obligation. Give the best opportunity for them to learn. Their capacity to learn is based on experience of learning and all of the other subsections that really need to go into it and their passion and their interest. So I always find that for, for me, I know that I'm most lazy or my laziness appears as a consequence of fear, right? Like I know I'm going to, when I'm, when I'm afraid to do something, I almost make myself feel lazy. I'm like, oh, maybe I don't want to do that, but I'm just avoiding it, right? I'm not willing, as you say, grab it by the horns. And then I also find it as well, perfectionism is lazy. Perfectionism, is, perfectionism always, you know, hinders the process. So I think a lot of times when we're talking about, you know, people becoming passionate, they have to have a lot of, <laughs> if you want to become passionate, you have to have a lot of change of sheets, right? You have to have a lot of grit to just go through the process of learning. Just like when you're trying to create a course, you actually have to go through the process of teaching and, and learning for others. And it, it, it's sometimes a hard negotiating factor. And that's, that's one thing I find when I'm talking to people about passion is they're, they're passionate about the, and like for you, byproduct performance, they're passionate about the end result. They might not be passionate about the, the path they have to go through to get to that place. Yeah, and it's, I think you bring up so many great points that I'm going to try to hit on several. Um, first off, I, I really like the example that you used of trying to teach people to dive in um, shallow waters, that it's, it is very, very risky, but it can be done. It's absolutely, but it can be done from a standpoint of where your understanding is, where your knowledge is. And I think too often, it, myself included, that we see where we are currently and we're just trying to teach to that level yeah. without the understanding of, you know, there's years and decades that came into this. There's so many summers at the pool that had to go through a trial and error, sometimes bumped our heads on the ground. No, it happens. Um, but I was actually just discussing, my mind instantly went to a conversation I was having earlier today because at uh, the university I worked each semester, I've introduced a in-house personal training course. And so each semester I've changed it. And like, it hasn't been a complete rewrite of it, but it's been adapted and keeps modifying semester to semester. As I learn more about the population of students that I have coming in, where their knowledge level is, where I need to adjust my expectations and where I can really focus on bridging that gap between what they've learned from, you know, even what they've learned from their high school coaches to 
what they've learned in the classroom to the hands-on experience that I can teach them and I can give them and help them make those connections from diving into the pool in the shallow end, head first without breaking your neck. Um, and so one of the things that I recently did, we have a, um, our all staff training is coming up within the next month. And so I'll grab them for probably four hours and we'll just do a in-person four hour session. And so some of the, one of the things I did is I reached out to him. I wanted to know what they wanted to learn because these are returning trainers. So I want to see what information is going to be most useful for you, where you are in your current education and experience, where's your interests at and where can it be most applicable to you utilizing that for the population that comes into the rec center. And so some of, you know, some of the topics they wanted to cover very, very easily, I could write off with one sentence and answer it and be like, okay, like this is everything I know. This is what you should know, or this is how you should understand it. I can answer this quickly in one sentence and we can move on. And this isn't even a topic, but I realized and started reevaluating to myself, okay, I know that I'm at this level. I know that they're at this level. And I have a, like, oftentimes I'll use the saying, set the standard high and elevate others to reach and surpass it. And what I realized is I didn't want to get caught in setting the standard and just having the expectation that they should instantly be there. It's, yeah. it's really about that process of, okay, if they're here, and if you're just listening to the audio, I'm using my hands, um, but if, if they're at one point, the focus of this training should be how to bridge that gap between where I can say this off in one sentence, bridging that gap and giving them the context to better understand it. So we might get to that end point of, you know, I can say, the, you know, the benefit of using um, rest periods. Here's the ratio that you're going to find in your textbook. Here's the actual application that is going to be based on the individual and based on what their goals are and, you know, just toss it up like that. Yeah. Or we can actually spend some time and we're going to, we're going to look at, okay, what's the pros and cons of actually timing this out? It's yeah. where is it going to limit us? Where is it going to be beneficial for you? Are you, do you even have the skill as a trainer to manage a clock? And it sounds very, very simple, turning the clock on, turn it off. It's not because, no, no. because guess what falls by the wayside? Either you paying attention to that stopwatch and trying to manage your set ratios and you lose the context of conversation and relationship building with that client. And it makes it very, very structured Rigid. where you can't deviate from it. Or the opposite side happens of you're trying to maintain that relationship in all the time and ratios and rest periods to work periods go out the window and you're like, I don't even know where we're at. But again, like very, very easily, I, un I understand these things. It was, it's more so kind of that light bulb moment of I need to, I need to better understand how to get them to my understanding without just right off of, I understand this, this is how I can explain it. No, I need to go through the layers to help you understand to reach mm -hmm. this point where you can be like, maybe it's not 
the most important thing. Maybe, you know, maybe we need to focus on a couple other other things that this session should be. But if if that's a topic we need to discuss instead of just that one sentence, really reevaluating how I can best approach it to give them not only the most buy-in, but the most experience or the most application that they can better understand it and then take that information and decide how they want to utilize it. We had, you know, we had another one that was on um, exercises to prevent injury. And mm -hmm. you and I very, very quickly could be like, injury <laughs> happens, you can't avoid it. That's it. Like, Get just, stronger. you know, that easy of a write-off. But, and that's, I'm not going to lie, that's where my mind went of, well, I can say this in one sentence that, you know, acute injuries occur, that there's always going to be a high risk, yada, yada, yada. Instead, I was like, okay, let me look back on this. Like, I do want to talk about the language that goes into that because mm -hmm. exercise or injury prevention, exercise, things like that. I want to go into the verbiage behind that and help break down that understanding to better contextualize it than just a write-off of, eh, shit happens. Um, it's that's like the most important part is finding that that access to terminology and the applicable circumstance of it right like i think it's important in what you're saying is recognizing that just because we know something we can summarize something to a sentence doesn't mean that that derives a sense of trust right and and, and as an educator i think the most important thing is not that we know something but that people can trust what we're giving a breadth of knowledge on without dismissing their question as ignorance, right? Like I've always had questions. I have questions all the time. Like even if I'm watching a lab or something, I kind of sit there and I have a question. I know the answer, but I know why I have the question still, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I have six different answers, but I still have a little circumstance that that question would be, be appropriate in still, right? So what you're saying here is so often neglected. And it's amazing that you've made that transition and do it just to say like, Hey, obviously I need to give more credence to questions and, and, and make sure that my, that, that single sentence has the palatability to be, you know, reside in each person, but at the same time, give them more understanding that the question is valid, but, but only in the circumstance, you really have to ask it. You're going to save a lot of time, right? Where early on, I didn't save time in my career. I wasted time. Me right? too. Yeah. Right. So, and, and that fuck still, like, I don't, I'm sorry, but yeah, still I, okay. uh, I do all the time because it, it's a circumstance with clients. I have clients that I, I don't waste time with. I just know exactly they want to derive information from this versus I have clients that just want to work out and get it done. And I use a stopwatch and we stay on task. And then at the end of the, at, at the end of our session, we're going to have 10 minutes behind. Cause they just, you know, kick ass the whole time and just push through. Um, so there's, there's kind of places you can put these things. And as you get better at, you know, training, time management, understanding clientele, you can tailor, you're never going to have a one, one style of client probably, or one type. So you have to actually learn how am I going to best utilize time with this person? Um, and, and that's a really big concept. And especially for educating, it's the same way. Like, I don't see a difference between, you know, a, a, an academic in a classroom versus a client on the floor, right? Yeah, I completely agree. And, and I think just, just being exposed to different populations and having different opportunities, like working in a university setting where I might get an 18 year old at a high school coming in that I'm trying to teach how to be a trainer to the prescript labs where I have a very, very educated population and that has 
been doing it for, you know, some as long, if not longer than me and us talking through the different context that goes into it and finding, like trying to branch through that education to get an understanding and try to provide context of when things are appropriate, when it's not. But, but I think what really helps it is that I place or I expose myself to a lot of education driven settings because Mm -hmm. they're like the client you mentioned, that's just there to work out. That is completely fine and fantastic, especially for a personal trainer. No trainer needs to do what I do with trainers where, okay, we're going to spend an hour talking about the, the content, trying to context this exercise and the different implementation. Your client doesn't care about that. Don't give a shit. (laughs) And for the most part, right? Like sometimes they do, sometimes they're just earning extra rest and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is why, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting that you don't. And I think young trainers, I know I did, um, they, they, there's that flex on it, right? Like, I do want to tell every client about this because I I'm worried they don't trust the process. And it's like, then you don't trust the process. If you can't, if you can't trust your process by trying to go overboard with that explanation to that client, um, it is probably part of the passion that we're talking about. But at the same time, that passion is yours. Your, your job is to do the job. Well, your passion shouldn't get in the way. And then you start to just like, you know, drop random anatomy and physiology on your clients right yeah absolutely and and to uh kind of carry on the the passion point that you brought it back to so eloquently that that like that that's where i think the focus or at least the recognition should come of where you have infinite or finite energy to be able to provide information, to be able to provide feedback that, mm. that in my setting, whenever I recognize somebody that is actively engaging, that's asking questions, that's implementing the information and wants more, mm-hmm. I'm going to give them that time and energy. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, I'll, I'll have some say across the board, I'll have some trainers, I'll have some clients where baseline information. And, and that's completely fine too. In, in this setting or in the university setting for me, I'm not going to have all our all-stars. If I, if I get a couple all-stars each semester, because we have such a high turnover rate being a university, like ideally I will get somebody for four years and they graduate more than likely it's going to be less than that. So it's trying to it's trying to utilize the time I best best I can. But for me, I also need to recognize who has a greater degree in, in investment and interest in try to seed my time there. It still has that standard of if you're a trainer, you have to be a good trainer. You have to implement the stuff mm-hmm. that we went over in the in-house course, the education. You have to uh, train your client appropriately and safely. But if you show up, you do a good job and you just want to punch the clock. Great. I need bodies. I need people trained. If you're somebody that, that wants to take that information and make a career out of it. And I can see similarities in that level of passion. It's just, you don't know where Mm. to go or how to utilize this, or you haven't been given the opportunities. That's where I look to spend more time with them. That's I've done mentorships with some students that 
outside of the stuff that we already do they've come up and just asked like hey like is there any way like i can do more stuff even even just setting down for an hour whenever they're studying for a certification and we're going mm-hmm. through and like they you know i've had times where they brought their practice tests and they're like i got this wrong i don't I'm not sure how to get it. And it's like, okay, let's look at this a different way. Let's kind of talk through it. And like, even something as simple as that just helps expand it, just helps with that understanding. But I'll also have some that, hey, you want to do a presentation? Fantastic. I'll make the audience for you. Yep. And that's huge. And I think it's important. Like I, I always try to think of it as feed those are hungry, who are hungry, but don't starve yourself for those that are full. Right. If they don't have room for the information you want to give, if they don't have room for your time, don't give them your time. Don't care more than them, but don't also neglect those who really want that extra bit of uh, knowledge that you're willing to provide and things like that. Not only that, but that is so helpful for the industry. This is an industry that can be completely destroyed by people who know more and act less. Um, and, and it's, it is an industry that is predicated upon cooperation. And I, and, and it's, I think we talked about this before, just that, normally as athletes, there's a competitive side of things and business is competitive and things like that. But for the majority of when you're working with a client, it's about cooperation. When you're working with other trainers, it's cooperation. I've learned more cooperating with other trainers and, and hearing them out on their opinions and their considerations. And and I've learned through that process where my biases may be derived from, or theirs may be, and the circumstance that is always so important to come back to um, whenever we're trying to help educate anyone. So, um, even conversations like this, like me and you talking, not during a podcast, just anytime I always walk away, you know, we, we say it recharges our batteries because it, it's removing the obligation to know and adding in and implementing further questioning, further rationale to kind of our, 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 our considerations and things like that. So it's, it's always so nice to have that. And if you can offer that in a university setting, um, that isn't dogmatic. It's it's just individualized to the degree of their passion. Then you, it's a no lose situation. Yeah, and I I think you know you bring up a great point with industry that that it can be a space that is is very very selfish. It can be a space mm-hmm. that's very very dogmatic. But by the same note, like we we can be a representation and we can point to examples that have just out of passion out of goodwill out of general wantingness to see the industry benefit and grow for Mm -hmm. the betterment of fitness health exercise sports society Um, exactly yeah society a stronger society is typically a better society um but but it's it allows for an opportunity that you know, you might, you might not change the industry with one conversation, but you can be a good additive or a good representation just by having these conversations, just by having them available. Cause like you said, we, we add lenses to how we understand things. We add, you know, we get different perceptions because we all are from different backgrounds, all have different clients, all have different experiences that yes, there are similarities across, but but even just the approach, even the um, considerations that somebody might bring up that you might not automatically go to, that allows for a greater degree of exposure and understanding that we can then um, utilize. And, and 
I think very, very easily taking taking that approach or having that understanding and that willingness to kind of learn alongside somebody through just the means of conversation, it it steers us away from the selfishness that that we might look at or hear about in the fitness industry instead of like you're not my competition like the the only competitive nature i get from our conversations is like oh he's doing so many awesome things i want to do more like not more where like i want to try to compete against you just that he's doing so well i want to do well like it it kind of i want to do better than i have Exactly. And, yeah. and I think really it's, it helps promote a competition in that sense. If I were to point to one at all of just a self-competition of improvement, because there's an excitability because you hear that passion in somebody else and the things that are going well for them and the things that they're doing. Because like, if, if I had the option of, do I want to run a seminar where there is a higher financial gain, but mm-hmm. just run it by myself. Or if it's, Hey, you can go do this workshop with Ian for no money at all. Guess which one I'm picking. I'm going to go do it with you because I get excited about that one. The other one, sure. They're like, by all means, because mm-hmm. we're in an industry that both of us are passionate about. There's going to be that passion with it, mm-hmm. but there is a different excitability whenever it's, Hey, I get to go collaborate with this person. And, and I think and just getting that experience of surrounding yourself and developing a network like that can be so beneficial because there is that excitability that there is, I can randomly message you and be like, Hey, do you want to jump on a call? And you're like, yep. fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm waiting for it. And like, that's the thing is I, I always think about it. I always say that like, I'll applaud until it's my turn, right? I'm going to applaud whoever is doing what they do because fuck are they doing it? And it makes me want to do what I do. Right. And like, that's the thing is like, when I look at what you're doing, like you said, teaching a seminar together, I view us as equals. The only thing, and I view most of us as equals, right? Like uh, if, if anyone is out of equal range for me, it's probably just because they've put more work in than me. That's the only caveat I have normally when I think of human potential. Um, The difference is probably work ethic. The difference is opportunity seeking and and accepting that is networking is all of the things that are actually still, if you look at it, cooperation, cooperation might breed internal competition, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't breed this idea that like, I have to outdo this person. If I seen James Thayer going to elite FTS, I'm going to be like, oh man, if like, I got to get there one day, not, not for the sake of, you know, doing better than you, but being like, that looked like an amazing experience. I'd love to have an experience like that. And then have a conversation later and be like, what was yours like? Mine was like this, right? It's, it's just growth. It's, it's telling people that something is possible. And I think our job is that, especially if you're working with a general population or athletes who are aspiring to bigger things, our job, once it comes down, like once we remove the science and the, the considerations and the concepts and all that thing, all, all the things you can think of that would go into programming and everything else, like the nitty gritty stuff, it is just getting pe- to, people to a place where it says, it, it, where they understand that they can do anything where they understand that their work ethic and their, their success is, is really just derived from their evaluation on what they do every morning, what they do every night and what they do in the gym and what they care about and who they care about. And, uh, and, and that's always why I want to jump on a call with you. Cause I feel like you embody a lot of those same and similar aspects. 
I try to, and and I would uh, say the feeling's mutual. That that every conversation we have, like I I see that and I hear that in what you're doing, and and it gets me excited and gets me want wanting to push harder. And, and you know, it, it's kind of um, those sayings of we are what we repeatedly do, uh, and it is just it's taking a good evaluation of that and self-reflecting am I actually holding these principles? And if I'm not, I better get to it because like, because there, there is benefit for, for this being our passion. There's benefit to doing those things. It's Mm -hmm. like you mentioned earlier, whenever there's an insecurity or a fear, oftentimes it can be a avoidance or a delay in doing something. Um, Mm -hmm just because like whether it's through a recognition of i'm so passionate about this this can quickly become overwhelming because everything i want it to be um that's kind of where that shit the bed mentality really can help is like okay i need to like i know this isn't going to be what exactly i want it to be but it has to be a starting point i have to start somewhere um but yeah it's you know, looking at these things where we can fall into that trap of, of avoidance or not really embodying the um, repeatedly doing what, what we're passionate about. But if we can, if we can be introspective, if we can be honest with ourselves and truly reflect on, I know I need to be doing these things. I'm not doing these things. It's to the detriment of my energy. It's to the detriment of me continuing to expand and grow um, my business, my mental state is, you know, compromised because of this, whatever it might be, but, Mm -hmm. but having that recognition of it um, and being able to reflect on that, that can be very beneficial that you're upholding that standard or upholding that principle that you know is only going to benefit you. And I, to bring it back to these conversations, I think that very, very much helps as well is because it almost puts a mirror up to you of, hey, I'm going on and having this conversation with somebody that that I trust, that I want to be honest with, and I have great communication and great conversations with. Like, I want to make sure that whenever I'm here, like, I'm excited as you're excited. And if I'm not, I need to figure out what I'm doing wrong or what I need to take away from this conversation that I can put back into actionable items and get back to where, where it benefits me. I think so. And like, that's so eloquently put and and just knowing, knowing that those things exist, have you ever lost your passion? Oh, for sure. Um, You know, there, there's been, I think like a reason that it stood out to me whenever you mentioned a your mechanism of um of fear or insecurity is avoidance um very very similar with mine and i think that's kind of why it resonated because a lot of times it you know i can look back on like not starting projects or like delaying projects and and that's a big thing is because it's it's that self voice that you have of like well, it should be all these things. And if, if it's, you know, if it's not going to be that, like, why should I even start it whenever it's really getting to that point, either that you've delayed it so much. And, and for me, this is part of another thing is I was, 
very, very much a procrastinator where I used school wasn't great for me. I was great at school, but school in some instances wasn't great because very, very quickly on um, within the first two weeks, I usually would figure out how the teacher operated, like the amount of work that you had to put into something to yeah, yeah. do well. And so if I figured that out very quick, that it doesn't take a ton of work, I'm not going to do something a week out. I'm going to do it the night before or the morning of. And then it becomes, it helps in a way that like I could be very, very tunnel visioned and focused and knock something out. It's also not the best strategy to approach things of what's the minimum of effort I can do. And and why I say like at points, because it, it's not the greatest way to go about things mm -hmm. as far as organization and, you know, not being stressed or not having your life just chaos all around you. But it does work sometimes. Yeah, it does work. And sometimes it works too well. Like I, I got too good at doing 10 page papers the night before. Yeah. But like, I think that's, that's another point of. Were you passionate about those things though? Exactly. I wasn't. Exactly. So it's like, it, the, the only way I'm going to get passion is probably just out of fear of consequence, right? Like I, I know I need to do it. And I used to do the same thing with teachers. Like I, I, I didn't suck at school. I sucked at caring about school because I, I do the same thing when you're on, when you're a network navigator or like uh, you're, you're learning how systems break down and you can actually see that like full picture scenario, you, you do, you start to like play people and it's not like you're manipulating anything. It's not like you're above or more intelligent. You're just like, I'm going to work, I'm going to work the system. Yeah. Um, so all of a sudden it's like, oh, my classmates would be like, oh, he lost my assignment. And I'm like, oh, he lost my assignment too. And it's like, I'll tell you, man, it's too bad you lost mine too. And, and that's the thing is you kind of get around that, but when it comes to something that, and not all the time, but when it comes to something I'm pretty passionate about, it, 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 it resonates within me. It's part of who I am. And I don't think the education system and bringing it back to like how you're teaching and what you're trying to pursue and things like that. I think that you're trying to educate the, the ideal circumstance of passion, right? Where people feel like they're immersed in the knowledge, but it's applicable and they can also see an outcome because outcomes breed passion. Right. And, and, and I think that a lot of people are waiting for motivation to get started in things, but one, you have to get people started in action before they're ever going to see an outcome, which there is probably going to create a sense of drive. So whenever I think of an education system, I don't really know if anything in life ever falls outside of a systematic approach of education. Right. And, and if it does, it's normally that we're going to try and navigate it in a way that best suits our comfort instead of our outcome. So school, I, I navigated my comfort uh, in my business. I try to navigate with my passion and it's very uncomfortable most of the time. Yeah. And, and so to, you know, kind of bring it back that like outside of school, I'd, I'd say there's been times and like part of that has been growing in trying to find, I think sometimes it's, it's where I've tried to find a vision or like mm -hmm. find a direction. And that's where, that's where there's been a hesitation or like a lack of confidence um, is just trying to figure out like, okay, how, like, I don't even know what direction I want to point this passion into to like go full into. And so sometimes just with that, it's like, well, I could do this or I could do that. And it turns into hesitation. 
Um, I, I'd say I'm a, I'm a lot better at it now, um, Mm -hmm. at navigating through that or avoiding it completely. But there's also, I'll say also with that, there's a mentality of, I better recognize what I'm interested in and what I'm not interested in. And I'm a lot quicker to act upon things that I'm interested in and quicker to avoid the things that I feel is going to be an obligation. Yeah, that's very well put. And you have a lot more wins under your belt, right? Like it's easy to have confidence when you've won a few more, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and you kind of can head in with this idea of, cause that's the idea, the idea of hesitation too. Like I always think of the pants story. Like if you go and buy a pair of jeans, you know, like I can get Wranglers, I can get, you know, this type of cut, I can get distressed, I can get faded, I can get, you'll leave there and you'll be like, maybe I should have got those ones. Like hesitation is really an darker blue. I've gone with the darker, go with the darker blue. <laughs> you Never can dress them black. up, you can dress them down. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's challenging though, because options are not healthy, right? The options tend to get in the way more than they're actually, you know, accessing more opportunity. Um, the opportunity is actually your action. Your opportunity is not the options you make in them. And, and I think by having more wins under your belt and being less of a negotiator of options and more of like, well, I'm just going to go do it uh, is very helpful. Um, so I, I don't know if that suits you or if that even is on the same topic, but that's kind of how I often think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's put very well is like understanding that there, there are those wins because it does allow for it allows to a greater degree that mindset of I'll figure this out that I'm yeah. and a willingness to shit the bed because it's, it's not one big explosion that has ruined the mattress. It's no. Hey, it's, you know, so something happened during the night. Like I'm just going to yeah. throw it in the wash. I'll figure mm-hmm. it out. But it's probably not going to tell a, anyone. Exactly. It's a series, <laughs> it's a series of those that, You've sorted through, you've washed your sheets. Sure, there might've been a time or two where you've had to go buy some other sheets just to replace them. Yeah. But you know, hey, the, that next night I'm sleeping in my bed, like it's mm-hmm. gonna work out. Yeah. Whereas I think with those less wins, like you put it, it's it's not knowing that, oh, what's gonna happen is my bed gonna catch on fire and then my house is gonna fall into the sea and I'm gonna be homeless. Yeah, exactly. It's like worst case scenario. And that's where the brain goes. And I think most people really, we do need to step away. Passion can be debilitating if it's not in a pursuit, right? Like Dave Chappelle had a really good uh, in that um, getting coffee with comedians or whatever it is, comedians in cars, whatever the, the Jerry Springer thing or not Jerry Springer, Jerry Seinfeld, jeez, and you were on a ball today. Um, but basically he said like, it's always better. He likes it better when there's he used to be someone that was like, I have an idea. I'm going to go drive and, and go after that idea versus if, if a car pulls up with an idea in the driver's seat and it's like, get the fuck in the car, like, don't get dressed. Don't go. We're just going there. It's much better if the idea is the driver and you're a passenger, because when your ego gets in the way and your ego is like, I'm going to make this thing and it's going to be look like this and it's going to happen this way, man, just let it be an idea and let it turn into the thing that it's supposed to become because you're going to get in your own way. You're going to drive the wrong direction. You're going to get panicked halfway through versus if the idea drives, you might even come to greater considerations that you on, on a, on a, on a level of, you know, I, I have to do something won't get to, right. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and something I want to kind of take from that is I think it's also with the idea, with the driver that, 
there's a huge difference in the understanding of this is going to be the one thing, like my breakout thing to understanding this is going to be a series of things. And I think that's where we can fall into a trap as well. If, if everything's built on this one mountaintop that this is, this is, this thing opens all the other doors or mm-hmm. like, um, you know, like podcasts have referred to like the Joe Rogan effect. Like you go on his show and like you're an overnight sensation rarely ever happens. And no. just because you have like something like that, where some event, some presentation, some appearing on some podcast, you have a larger audience that you might be speaking to, but right after you get off that, you have to continue to keep it because, yeah. because even with a wider exposure, like that in itself doesn't last or doesn't merit continued success. It's okay, now that I've just got this opportunity, now that I got this exposure, I have to keep building on it. And mm-hmm. I think that's where that fall off can be is that expectation of this was supposed to be my one thing. This was supposed to you know, be everything. This is everything I worked up to yeah. instead of like, hey, here's another step. And I'm looking, I'm going to keep doing what I did. This was just another step along the path. Here's another step. It was like, you know, in the same weekend, I went, and I went to Dope Studios and did a podcast. And a day later, I went to Elite FTS. And guess what? Neither of those were a breakout event. Yeah, like I, I've had fantastic experiences. I've got to have more stories now, good conversations. But all of those conversations led to conversations about future conversations or future meetings or future events. And that's really what it is about is, yeah, I had this thing set, scheduled. I had this idea that I worked towards, but it's about finding that next one to step forward. It's not like, okay, well, I did this. Why isn't anybody showing up? Yeah. What a shame it would be to be infinite, like to be successful without delay. Like what a sad, what a sad outcome that would be really, because it would inhibit your growth. It would well, never I, give you an opportunity, right? Like when I think of even listening to music, I don't listen to music to get to the last end crash of a drum that, that and then I'm not listening to music. I'm just trying to end a song, right? Like part of, part of the beauty and dance and music and art. And you can think that life is really just a perpetuation of all of your gathering of knowledge, but your implementation is very artful. It's, it's very, it has an artistic sense to it you have to go along with it in a way that's malleable to really make that, that final crescendo that, that if you are going to reach an opportunity, you're going to have to build up that course and that orchestra with you. You cannot just think that you're just going to end it with one big thing. No, it's, it's going to be many things that create the idea of you, whether that's for your own self-esteem, but also for your business or whatever it is. It, you're part of an overall process. You're, you're definitely not just successful. You are day in, day out implementing successful strategies. Yeah. And if you haven't built that foundation of successful strategies, like we can point to um, different genres or, you know, different businesses that, that it, sh- or different examples in life that it shows where that doesn't work out. You know, my mind goes to um, like child stars that experienced huge success most of them do not navigate that well there's few and far between but oftentimes you know we can point to like 
thank God for the parents that they had or the management that they had, that there was something in there to assist with that. Same thing with um, a mass majority of musicians that um, have like that one hit wonder and can never can never get back to that level. Or even, um, I don't know if uh, you've heard some of the stories, but like here in the States with people that win the lottery, like they're in how they're broken in no time. a year, they're <laughs> yeah. either back to where they were or poor. Like there was yeah. one story of a guy living in a trailer park that he won the lottery and lived in a castle and bought full knight's armor. Like, yeah trying to live like he was an English lord, but he had no structure set in place to understand how money works Yeah, to be able to sustain that life or like guarantee there was no thought about how can I invest any of this? So, so I get mm-hmm. passive income coming back to me. It was like, no, here's all my money. Please take it. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure more will come. Right. If you never learn to navigate failure, you will never learn to sustain success. And like, that's, yeah. that's when you're in, when you're instantly successful, you are literally just going to not know what to do with that. Right. You, you'll probably have a flooding of just absolute euphoria and complete disregard for a bad outcome. When you have something that good happen, it's much like when people are ultimately successful at a large goal, they sink into a depression. Right. Because your body can only sustain like it was like, go get it, go get it, go get it. And then you get it and you hear about it even in Olympic athletes. Once they stand on the podium and they might not have another year, you know, training or four years to the next Olympics, they're like, wow, like, you know, I'll get on some covers of hopefully weedy boxes and stuff like that. But exactly. Yeah. It's it's what's what's that next step. And um, I'm trying to find. Uh, so there there was actually a. I have a shit ton of notes on my phone, just like random, like my mind oftentimes kind of works in stories. Exactly. And so like a lot of times, whenever I find those stories, even if it's a little snippet, like I'll write that down. And what you're saying exactly reminds me of um, like when I first started doing this or like one that really stood out for me. And so it's, it's, like where my mind goes with that, it's somebody that has accomplished so much with never, like they had this one goal and they accomplished it, but never set any safety nets or like never took the time to think about, okay, what's the next step? And and so uh, if you don't mind me reading it real quick, it's my podcast, I'll read it. You do whatever um, you want. But um, yeah, the passage is, he stood on the precipice prefaces of the world and wept not for the wonders that stood before him not for the extravagance of sight on his journey he wept for the loss of adventure in that moment he knew his unparalleled pursuit had become his down my down demise wow i need to just cut that out reread it but anyways i wrote the damn words um but anyways like you know that i think that came at a time probably one of those moments that we talked about before of not having direction or not where knowing where to go that there was this energy buildup there was like a passion but not knowing what to do with it and I I think that that passage kind of came in a time in my life of of knowing all these things that like previous to me I've already accomplished without ever 
giving credence or moments to like truly appreciate those accomplishments because it was always here's the next step here's the next step I always had a vision and always had a direction going forward and ultimately reached to a point where I was like I don't know where the path is anymore yeah and so so I think that that's a you know just internal passage that always sticks with me is having that awareness that it you know, you don't, you don't want the Alexander the Great complex that you've conquered the world at such a young age and what's there left to do? Not that that would ever be achieved through me, but, you know, to a much, much lesser, less legendary beliefs sense, on yourself, but... Lord Thayer. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. And like, I, I think about that frequently just in the sense of so like if we bring it back to like burn the boats right burn the ships burn the ships like might sound like that you know there's no way out but that doesn't mean that you get to go in thinking there's no way out it's just you only have forward and i think those are two different perspectives right like if you have no way out you feel trapped if you know that there's only forward you are one foot in front of the other you're planning on the spot but you're also thinking for a long term right? Like there, and that's the idea is like, sometimes you don't need plan B, you don't need backup plans. You just need to be malleable enough to adapt to the reality that comes at you day to day. And some people aren't there, right? Like some people cannot do that. There's like the finite expectation and anything that's off of that. That's sometimes how we get off the quote unquote path is the other path ended. It doesn't mean that we can't forge another path. It just means that path did end. So then you look around, you're like, where did I come? How did I get here? but you're still not lost because you're the one taking the steps. You're the one that gets to pause. Like if I tell someone, so a big thing with my clients, especially Jen Popper, go for a walk pretty much every day. Um, and they're like, how long should I walk? And I just say, until you feel better. And that's it. I don't need you to get miles in. I don't need you to get time in. I need you to go for a walk with the deliberate intention that you're going to actually pause. I actually don't even want you to say, I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to come back to my house. Cause all you've ever planned is to go back to your house. I want you to get the fuck out of your head and just go for a walk and pause somewhere and be like, what do those birds sound like? Right? Like have the intention mm -hmm. of losing control a little bit to witness what reality is really about. Otherwise success can pass you by day to day because you're so finitely tuned on this one idea of success that you won't, you won't negotiate with the new things that come your way. You won't be malleable in failure. Um, so like you said, when you're standing on, I, I, I'll have to, do you, who wrote that by the way? Did you write that? Me. Yeah. You wrote that? Yeah. Holy man. Take over the world, buddy. We, uh, I like that though, but I'd, I'd love if you could, uh, if you could put that in the, it, it send I'll it to put me that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like that. Um, because it, it speaks to a lot of the many considerations that I think people have within like self-destruction of their thoughts and their, their mentality, but also just the self-destruction of what success can bring you to for sure. That was very well put. Well, and I, I really, really like that approach with a client because I think it it's a good approach to life and the lesson that you can learn from it it's it's a goal without a goal in a way it's where it's like like the goal is to get out the the but you're not going to put constraints on do it for this long or go this far or anything like that it's it's just go and experience this and mm -hmm. I, I think that that's so well so well put because where my mind goes is you know what oftentimes what's going to happen like the different considerations of go walk a mile okay what are we going to do 
we're going to walk as fast as we can or get that over. Whereas if it's just walk till you feel better, your pace gets slower. You start bringing an awareness to either your surroundings. If you don't have headphones in, if you have headphones in, you're probably finding a podcast that you're engaging with better. Or you're finding music that's better facilitating a better mood, a better vibe that, that you're becoming more aware of nature is, is the sun setting and you're seeing things in, in a uh, different reflection that you might not get to experience because you're inside or you're working or mm-hmm. you're away from it. If, if it's in the morning, is it, you know, is it warmer? Is it colder? Is there, mm-hmm. you're more aware of the breeze of the surroundings of what those birds sound like. And I think that's such such a great point that through that awareness, it can bring an appreciation to that moment and mm-hmm. bring focus to it where so quickly, you know, if we're walking, if we're on a trail, we can walk through this trail without even recognizing instead taking a moment of, oh, there's like, look at that squirrel over there. Look at that tree mm-hmm. down. And it's very, very small things, but it's things that that you recognize and things that you can appreciate just getting outside of yourself and understanding the world and surroundings around you that it's not just you there's a bigger picture here and in that bigger picture we can always focus on that forward direction that mm-hmm. that we can get so lost in ourselves kind of bringing it back to the goals and getting stagnant and loss of direction we can get so lost that we we can just get so self-focused that oh I don't know what to do or like I don't have direction or anything while we can just step outside and understand oh there's a whole world happening around Mm. us and guess what regardless of how stuck we feel time's still moving forward absolutely and and there's adjacent things in life like that's the idea of hearing the birds or whatever it is it's kind of just the consideration that adjacent to you, your goals and the ships that burn behind you, there is a manifestation of the rest of the universe that's taking place, right? There is alternative things that can crop up to be further success that you won't even have considered. In your worst states of mind, as long as you persevere forward, you will be always surprised to come what, what comes out of time, what comes out of time takes time. That's really it, right? Time is going to be the dicta- dictator of most of our life. Um, and it's, it, it's important that we hear those birds, not because it's like namaste, we need to hear birds, but to witness that around us, nature prevails and that society moves forward uh, at, at the beat of its own drum, right? It, and you're part of your own beat, but you have to acknowledge that other things are taking place too. Um, and I like to think that if we do burn our ships, you do get to walk back one day if you so choose and see what came from ashes, right? Your success came from the opportunity to set something of hope ablaze because you had greater hope in your own fortitude, in your own considerations and in your trust in yourself. And, and that's always what burned the ships to me. Like it sounds hardcore for a lot of people. I guess I like to look at it as a, a I like to flip on its head sometimes and say that from our ashes are it, it, we're, we fertilize our growth. Um, as well. And, and that's something that, you know, we 
we can, I'm a walking contradiction most of the time because there's so many ways you can look at something and I bring it up. I think if people listen to the end of this podcast, like, wait, didn't they just say this? No, what now that this, it, it's because I think if we ever get lost in, in the idea that something is true, we're, we're going to miss the opportunity to witness circumstances and circumstances prevail for me majority of the time. It, it confuses life, but it also just gives the opportunity to witness the abundance of life as well. Yeah, and and with that mentality of, I like that you bring it back to that of the mentality that goes into burn the ships because it's it can be looked at so many different ways, but it's very very similar. That most of the time, whenever first people first hear it, it's like burn these ships and let's go conquer. That yeah. we have no way out. We have to go forward. It can be that very, very much so. It can be the approach that you just mentioned that in burning the ships, it burns down the forest and there's opportunity to regrow from that. There's also a consideration is in all of these instances, if we're going to continue to use the metaphor, like hopefully you're burning the ships and you're not killing off your ship makers. Like, hopefully in the future, there's opportunity to build some new ships. I mean, they might be a different place. They might be with different tools or the, you know, the type of ship we need to be, we need to build might be different, but it's, it's at that time we're making this sacrifice so we can continue to go forward and we, we won't fall back into, or we won't fall back on the reliance of everything that built up to that point to get us there, that it's that conversation around, we need to continue to go forward. It's not Mm -hmm. that we'll never have this tool again, or we, we can never utilize this. It's just, it's going to be in a different time and place for now. We need to take away that option to go back and we need to move forward. Mm -hmm. It's very similar. Like I like, I like the analogy of, um, like using the phone book that you don't skip through page to page whenever you're trying to get to M that you have context enough that, Hey, I can skip ahead a little bit, but that reference only works. If you know the alphabet, like if, if knowledge. So, so by all means, burning the boats can be a like great mentality to take on. It can be a wonderful approach. So you also have to have the consideration that like, first off, know how to build the boats. Like, don't, don't just, you know, don't, don't just go into the library and burn the library down without reading any of the books, like have yeah. an understanding of everything that, that built up into that time and an appreciation of that, but know whenever there can be that opportunity of, I can't look back, I'm putting myself, I'm betting on myself, I'm trusting mm-hmm. in myself that I'm going to go forward and figure it out. Yeah. I'm stronger than anything that comes my way. Even if at the time I meet it, I'm not, it doesn't mean it's, I was, <laughs> I like to, I like to manifest myself in a way that I, I recognize that there will be things that are harder than anything I've ever undertaken. That was one time tying my fucking shoes. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. every time you're, you're doing this, you can rely on, and we talked about it before, we can rely on our previous successes to just dictate the idea that you're not, you're a human becoming. Like you're a human being, you should be here, you should just be a human, but at the same time, you gotta become better. And the only way to do that is to take on some real hardships some real challenges, burn the boats, but not forget that, you know, 
through that, you've already, you already know before you set flames to it, you already know, right? Like that, that's the most important mentality to me is you can't, you can't look at the match and be like, oh, do I want to do this? You don't even consider it. You fucking yep. throw it on there. Yep. You're already walking away. Gasoline's like, already on. I'm yeah. already running away. You, you, you drained it from midcourt and you're already running back. Like, you know, you sunk that. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's already, you've already won. And, and that's a really hard mentality for a lot of people to manifest is the idea of winning without, without yet playing. And I think that when you talk to an athlete, when you train athletes, like that's number one, they're not going in to play a game. They're going in to win. Right. And I don't think anywhere else in our life, like that's that, that we should really have any hesitation because what, what is the opportunity in hesitation? There's, there's opportunity in thought, there's opportunity in consideration, but if those breed hesitation, what is the opportunity in hesitation? What are you exactly. waiting it's for? All, all it facilitates is stagnation. Choice. Alan Watts says that choice is a mental wobbling before we make a decision. It's just, it's just wobbling back and forth on what you think, you know, but the future isn't yours, right? Just make a decision. It, it's totally, it's going to be okay. Because guess what? If it's not okay, you'll fucking solve it or you'll die. But in both of those instances, you're going to be fine. Right? Like, cause it doesn't really matter at that at point. At least you did something. Yeah, man. It's uh, but we don't. And I, I think about this all the time when I look at like social media, so much of a comparison value right? Like we're, we're comparing to everything. And in the fitness industry, it's like so many people are right and wrong. And like in a, in a 30 second soundbite, am I really going to give you the, the, the context that I need you to consider that I'm saying? Of course not. Right. So go forward because no matter what people think, you'll know when it, when you are touching the right audience or speaking to the right people, they're going to understand what you mean. Right. And, and people who throw shade at it or just whatever, it won't matter, but that's, that's social media, but anywhere in life is the same thing, especially if it's an internal dialogue, don't throw shade at yourself. That doesn't make any fucking sense, right? It's hard not to, but you know, self-deprecation doesn't really solve anything. It's fun. It's funny, but <laughs> it's the favorite voice in my head. I don't listen to it, but I'm like, you're a, you're a cruel motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Just recognizing those demons, making sure yeah. that they have their place, but Absolutely. they need to stay in their seats. Yep. That's it. Exactly. No. So it, it, it's really cool. It's, it's really cool to, you know, open up on these conversations and, and talk about that because you, you hear these terms so often, but you don't really give them the, the consideration. I think a lot of the time, except with you, you do. I'd say you do too. And it's also some of that for me is better facilitated through these conversations with you. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's always so appreciated. Man, I think uh, I think we can bring this in for a landing. Um, not really sure how to end this one. We covered so many things. Uh, do you want to tell people where to best find you or what things you have going on that they can get involved with? Yeah, sure. Like it's um, you can find obviously Reflection Radio is a podcast that uh, we have some amazing guests, especially uh, James Thayer. He's on fairly frequently. Um, you can check that podcast out, but also just Ian. Uh, dot mckay superior mckay underscore for instagram um and yeah just looking to put out lots of lots of the same content as you and uh and have you on as a guest and 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 just really engage with people like i think that's the most important thing for me is is to have these types of conversation give circumstance to things um and and think broader like for reflection studio uh the the facility that i own it's a passion performance perspective um 
And, and that's really what I like coming on here for is you're just a man that embodies that. Today we talked about passion performance and perspectives. So it's like, damn, we did all yes. right. Um, it's uh, and and just for people to really, you know, to finish off where where I want people to kind of find themselves in is is I obviously had struggled, you know, a lot of my life to find the voice in in myself that really spoke truth. And I I had to create that voice that that really pushed me in the form of performance in my whole life. So the burn the ships mentality was huge for me. The, the, and I, if you are in a day that you're just like, I don't know how to get, I don't know what to do today, start something, right. Burn your ship on that day, just to say, I'm out of my chair and I'm doing something because the world needs people to trust themselves to perform within their passion. Right. And offer other people perspective, right? Like that, that's what I like about having these conversations is it offers me a perspective, but hopefully anyone who's listening can gain perspective from it as well. And I, I really appreciate you offering a platform for us to have these conversations on. You too, sir. I appreciate you coming on and uh, very excited to make this a more routine thing. Absolutely. All right, I'm good.